Welcome to Set for Life with Pastor Ray Jensen. You can find us at setforliferadio.com. Romans 10.9 says that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised Him from the dead, you will be saved. So let's listen from God's Word, verse by verse, on how we can prepare for the coming of the Lord and Messiah Jesus, who died on the cross, so that you can be set for life. You'll be set for life if you give your heart and believe what He's done for you. You'll be set for life with the treasure stored up in heaven when you're through. You'll be set for life. God is trying to do this to us, saying, you don't belong to Satan, you belong to me. And if I got to do this to wake you up, I'll do it. Christians, if you call yourself one anyway, we're responsible to this, heavy. This verse is calling it us. This was written for Israel, I get it, my people, that's Israel, specifically the Jews. But as a grafted in guy, I fall into this, okay? And, and so do you who give yourself to the Lord. Now, I find it quite interesting that during the COVID virus global pandemic, after our governments have been trying for months of various attempts at getting rid of this virus that we are right now studying in 1 Samuel 5 about a culture of people who were plagued by disease and they tried everything they could to come up with everything to get rid of it every way except praying in repentance to God. You see the problem? Let's do this. Oh, that didn't work. Well, let's do that. Oh, that didn't work. Well, let's try this now. And that didn't work. Anything but repent. We're just not going to do that. We have so many decrees coming out of the governor's office. I got, every week I got to read to see what they're allowed to what I'm allowed to do or not. What we're supposed to do. They're trying this. They're trying that. Everything but repent, guys. You know why they're not repenting? Because the body of Christ is not repenting. The church, the people who say, I'm a Christian. They're the ones not doing what God wants us to do. And the world is never going to know until we start. All the more reason for us to repent and cry out to God and say, forgive me, I'm sorry. Now, don't hear me wrong. I want to say something real quick. And just, just hear me right. I hope you do. The very word Christian doesn't seem to mean anything anymore, does it? Most people claiming to be a Christian are not obeying the Lord. They're just not doing it. But if you consider yourself to be a Christian, then you need to know your God and the action that he does take against sin. It's for your benefit and mine that I'm saying this because God told me to do it. So if I don't tell you, I'm in trouble. But now that I'm going to tell you, I'm off the hook, but now you need to do something with it. Isaiah 45 and 7. God says, I form the light and create darkness. I make peace and create calamity. I, the Lord, do all these things. Did you know that? Man, God's going around killing all these people. He doesn't do that. Yes, he does. It really says a lot about our ignorance of God when he has to word it like this, when he has to say, I, the Lord, like, hello, it's me I'm talking about. I, I do this. Huh? You do? The fact that God has to word it like that to get it through our heads that this is what he will do against sin, because most people don't believe in this, but here it is in Isaiah 45. It's a shame how we would rather invent a fluffy powder puff God who will not ravage sinful people just because it doesn't sit well with us. 
Friends, here in 1 Samuel, does it say that the hand of Satan was heavy on the people? Whose hand was heavy on the people that we've read? The hand of the Lord. And he terrified and afflicted them. God terrified and afflicted people. If God's word says it, then we have to believe it. And if we believe it, then we have to alter ourselves to adjust accordingly. You know, from this verse right here, there was a time when I used to believe that darkness was not a created thing. I used to think that, well, I subscribe to that thinking that says that darkness is simply the absence of light. Like if I turn the switch off, it's dark. So it's not created. Light is generated, but darkness is not. I used to think that. But according to what we read here, he says that he creates darkness. People say, well, if God is all-powerful, then where does evil come from? Well, wait a minute. Are we talking about evil or are we talking about darkness? He creates darkness. Now, that verse right there will seriously adjust your theological viewpoints, won't it? It causes you to have to think everything different. When something bad happens that I consider evil, wait a minute. Did God do that? Is this from my sin? What's going on here? Is this attack of the enemy? What is it? Figure it out because God does do this darkness stuff. He does it. And so to consider that it was not Satan that was causing the calamity here, but it was the Lord, we really need to consider what we should do when calamity hits us, doesn't it? Don't we? When calamity hits us, what should we do? Whenever calamity hits us, typically we assume that it has to be Satan that's causing it. And so then when we pray about it with that wrong mindset, it causes us to pray the wrong way. You'll end up praying wrong if you think that every bad thing has to be the devil. When sometimes it might be God. I want to make sure we pray right. When we fail to realize that our wickedness is what causes the chaos to come upon us in the first place, but then we pray for God to just take it all away, then what we end up doing is we try to pray around our sin. We don't realize there's something I did wrong that God's trying to stop me from. Oh God, just get rid of it. Satan's attacking me. Maybe God's saying, no, that's me doing it. And you don't want to pray wrong. You want to pray, Lord God, Whatever I did, show me it, okay? And when he shows you what it was, stop doing it. Now you're praying right. You know, we pray like we're so righteous without repenting of our wickedness. Lord, get rid of this. This problem I've got, just get it out of here. God's like, hey, buddy, you need to stop that wickedness that you're doing. You know, don't pray around your sin. Pray right. Repent of wickedness. If we knew that God was causing the trouble... That would make us get right with him first before we pray. There are prayers God won't hear. We need to get right with him first before we pray. But what did 2 Chronicles say? If my people will humble, that means get low, turn from their wickedness and pray, then I will heal their land. Whenever calamity hits, and you know what's happening right now, it's a mess out there. But whenever it hits, let us all be sure to take the correct godly perspective so that we don't pray the wrong way. I hear people from both sides of the aisle. Dear God, fix those liberals. Lord God, fix those conservatives. Lord, those Democrats are going to bury this nation. Lord God, those Republicans are going to bury this nation. Stop that. Don't do that. You're politicizing a spiritual issue. What we ought to be doing is pray about your wickedness first. And if you don't know what it is, ask God, he'll show you. Get it out of your life. 
And then God can come in and do something with that. Right now, everybody's finger pointing. It's your fault. It's Trump's fault. It's Pelosi's fault. It's this guy's fault. It's that guy's fault. It's everybody's fault but me. And that's the problem. No repentance. Nothing's ever going to get done. Christians, we got to look at us and say, God, what am I doing wrong that I need to fix? And then he can work from that. Genesis 5, uh, 6 and 5. This really gets me. The Lord saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth and that every intent of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. And the Lord was sorry that he had made man on the earth and he was grieved in his heart. How does it make y'all feel to think that God was sorry he made you? Oh no, God loves me. Yes, he does. But the sin aspect... He was grieved and he was sorry he ever did it. And that was a long time ago this was written. And we've still been given the opportunity at life. That means God's giving you the opportunity to wake up and get right with him now that you're getting to know him. And so this is what the scripture said right before God sent the floodwaters. Satan did not send the floodwaters. He doesn't have the power to do it. God sent that. And so what we see in 1 Samuel 5 is God is creating calamity, much like the flood was, for the purpose of taking out his anger against man's sin. Now, I don't know if many people have realized this yet or not, but the crucifixion of Jesus Christ was a very barbaric event. They nailed that guy. They beat him first. They even, they even went so far as to pluck the hair out of his beard. I mean, why'd you even have to do that? They beat his back completely open, his back is gashed open, and then they put his back against this rough, splintery cross that it's on. And I don't know if you've ever studied crucifixion, it's scientifically developed. They nailed his feet together, and then they got his wrists right here, so that he either would collapse down and, and start to suffocate, or he would have to push himself back up to catch his breath. Until his legs gave out strength. And then he'd fall back down and he couldn't breathe again. And then to catch a breath, he had to push back up to catch his breath. And it was this back and forth, back and forth until slowly, 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 worse and worse. As painful as it could possibly be until he gave up the spirit. It's very barbaric. On top of that, they spit on him. Now, if I've, I've never been through a crucifixion, somebody just spits on me and I'm offended. I'm hurt. He went through all that and spit on him. It was barbaric. It was terrible. And the reason it was so bad is because God had to take out his wrath against the sin of mankind. And he chose to take it out on his own son, Jesus, so that you and I could choose to be free from the wrath of God if we choose to get under the blood of Jesus Christ. He took that wrath out on somebody and it does not have to be you. He took it out on Christ. So think about it. If sin did not provoke the wrath of God... If, if sin did not make God angry, then there was no reason Jesus had to die. Jesus had to die because it made God mad. Sin, our sin. If sin never made God mad, Jesus didn't have to do anything on the cross at all. But he did. I think people honestly forget that salvation came to us through a chaotic murder. And for those who say that God would never cause calamity against sin, those people do not understand what the crucifixion of Christ was all about. 
If you want God's favor, but not God's anger, you must repent from what God hates and obey what God loves. It's as simple as that. Don't do what the Philistines did and don't try to manipulate God down to your convenience. He does not respond well to that. And we saw what he did about it. The Philistines thought that, you know, moving the ark away would make the problem go away, but it did not. It only made things worse. We're watching this very same situation in the year 2020. Man keeps trying to do something about the coronavirus, but we're seeing more and more trouble branching out and do other things. The more we try to fix it without repenting, the worse it gets. I say, at least in this church today, we need to start making things right and look at our own wickedness and repent of it and stop and get right with God. Then you're going to start seeing a change. And I know that right now it looks like sin is winning. Don't you hate that? It looks like wickedness, evil is winning because all these groups and all these things that they're changing against us, it's taking over everything. It looks like wickedness is winning. But I want you to remember that the God of Israel is above false gods such as Dagon. Now, Israel's enemies, they seem to have the victory there, didn't they? For a little bit. They beat Israel and they even celebrated in it. And only for a short while did they have that victory. But by morning, Dagon was bowed before the God of Israel, was he not? So friends, I know that right now it seems like evil is winning, but don't worry, the Lord is executing his plan to cause many people to be humbled down right now who would never be humbled any other way. It's taking all this to get through to them that they need to repent and get right with God. He's causing people to turn from their wickedness, just like he brought down the Philistines, just like he brought down Dagon to be bowed before him. Philippians 2 and 10, at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow of those in heaven and of those on earth and of those under the earth. And that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of the Father. This means that everybody everywhere, saved or not, heaven or hell, doesn't matter. Everybody, regardless of their belief system or what they think about God or how offended they will be at your Christianity, at some point, one day, all of us are going to bow the knee and confess that Jesus is Lord. It's going to happen. The question I want to ask is, will you bow and confess willingly and joyously because you want to, because you love him? Or will you be in the majority of those who will be forced to bow against their will because they hate God? Unbeliever, you're going to do it. It's best to just get right with the Lord now. Those who are against God, they're going to be made to do it and they're going to curse God's name the whole time, but they will do it. The reason that the Philistines never returned to the house of Dagon is because they were so embarrassed about Dagon's pathetic fall that they didn't even want to go where it happened anymore. That's why they didn't walk in there. It is my prayer that the Lord so completely and so terrifyingly tears down and destroys the false gods in your life that we dare never return to them ever again. That's what we need in our nation right now. Friends, right now is a good time to get right with Jesus Christ. A good time. Because like we read today, the God of Israel has a way of exposing false gods as being powerless. Now, I know this is a heavy chapter, 
And we read a lot about God destroying the wicked. And I told you about God grieving that he even made sinful man before the flood. But I also want to show you Genesis 7, 23 about the flood. So he destroyed all living things which were on the face of the ground, both man and cattle, creeping thing and bird of the air. They were destroyed from the earth. Only Noah and those who were with him in the ark remained alive. Guys, though God executes harsh judgment, he still wants to give you a way out. And he offers it to everybody that wants it. Even in judgment, he provides a way out. If you'll take it. If. Do you realize that the term saved? Are you saved? Are you saved? You know know what saved actually means? Saved means you are kept from destruction. Or kept from loss. That's what saved means. The very word saved has the tone of destruction in it. If you say you're saved, it's destruction you're kept from. And that destruction is God's wrath in a place that he made called hell. Satan did not make hell. Satan did not say one day, hey, I think I want a clubhouse. I think I'll build this place called hell and I'll put fire in and it'll be really cool because that's what I like. No, Satan hates hell. God made it. And it's even hard on Satan. Satan don't want to go there neither. But God did not make hell for you. He made it for Satan and his demons. He gave you a way out. Take it. What is it? I'll show you right now. John 14, 6. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. You see that first one? Jesus said, I am the way. He's your way out, guys. He's the way out. How awesome to know that of all the trouble that we have caused, that God would love us enough to offer such a great gift as eternal life so that we can be saved from his wrath. Thank you, Lord. Let's pray. Father, we come before you in prayer, Lord God. Some people here may have heard the gospel in its heavy form today. Some people hearing me on the radio right now may have realized, wow, that is God? I didn't know that. Well, now I'm scared. Yeah, good. Fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. It's time to wise up and realize the way out is through Jesus Christ. If you want that way out and if you do not want the wrath of God to fall on you, Listen to me very closely and follow me in prayer. You have to pray this. I can't pray it for you, but I can lead you in it. Pray after me. Father, I have sinned and forgive me, Lord God. I am wicked. It's because my every thought was wicked. I'm made of sin because I have done wrong. I have turned from you. Lord, forgive me of that. Lord, remove the false gods from my life. Forgive me for making money, my God. Forgive me for making government, my God. Forgive me for all my boyfriend, my girlfriend, all these people that I have put above you, Lord God, that I trust more than you, that I would rather hang out with than you, that I would rather spend my time and resources with more than you. Forgive me of that, Lord God. I dethrone those false gods from my life and I put you on top. I would rather dethrone them before you do it for me. Father, I would rather get right with you before you take those things away. I would rather get right with you and use those things for you. Forgive me, Father, for I have sinned. Thank you, Jesus, for dying in my place. I accept you as my Lord. You are now number one. You are the boss. I'll do what you say. I will seek your face. I will repent and turn from my wicked ways 
and I ask you to forgive me. Heal our land, Lord God. Heal my life. Lord, the problems and the situations I'm contending with that I cannot fix, that have been plaguing me, Lord, I let you deal with it now. It's yours. Take care of it. I will trust you with it, whether you take it away or not. It's yours to deal with, not mine. I will be happy regardless of how you deal with it. I'm yours, God. Thank you for dying in my place and giving me eternal life. I ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. I hope somebody got something out of that. Anyway, let's do communion real quick. Pass out the elements real quick. The reason we do communion is because we want to remember what Jesus did for dying in our place. And it's very, very important because, first of all, he told us to do it. And secondly, if somebody was to die for you and said, hey, just remember me, man. I'm going to give my life for you. I just want you to remember me. Here's how I want you to do it. Shouldn't we do it? Willingly? Well, this is it. Jesus said, do this to remember what I've done. And the, the bread represents his body. The wine represents his blood. Covenants, which are promises, covenants cannot be made without spilling blood. Why? Because covenant of God has to cover sin. And sin kills. Sin kills. That's why we're drinking this. Because it took the dying and spilling of blood of something to cover our sin. It takes life to cover death. And blood is life. I love it how the blood donors, they say, give the gift of life, give blood. What they're saying is that blood is life and life has to counter sin. Luke 22 and 14 says, when the hour had come, he sat down and the 12 apostles with him. Then he said, this is Jesus talking with fervent desire. I've desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. For I say to you, I will no longer eat of it until it is fulfilled in the kingdom of God. Then he took the cup and he gave thanks and said, Take this and divide it among yourselves. For I say to you, I will not drink of the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God comes. And he took the bread and he gave thanks and broke it and gave it to them saying, This is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Take that bread. He says, Just do this to remember me. I'll take that. Likewise, he also took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood, which is shed for you. Why did he say new covenant? Because the old covenant was against sin. The old covenant was going to kill you. It was going to kill you forever. The new covenant gives you life. This is the new covenant. I'll drink to that. Thank you, Father God, for this day. Uh, Thank you, Lord God, for the gospel message. It's in every word of your Bible, Lord God. It's all through it. Jesus is all in it, Old Testament and new. We thank you that you came to save us. We were drowning in sin and we couldn't do anything about it. You said, I'm going to go get those people. And you came and saved us. We thank you for it, Father. For those who heard this word today that are convicted about their sin, Lord God, and they've still been committing their sins, thinking you won't do anything about it. Lord, I pray this chapter puts the fear of you in them that they say, I better get right before God does something about it. And friend, if you're hearing me, please realize that maybe the reason God has not done anything about it is because he wants, he wanted you to hear this opportunity today to turn and get right. And his waiting is a gesture of mercy. He's being merciful to you to wait for you to get right. So get right with him today. Make Jesus your Lord. Thank you, Father, for all these things. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to Set for Life. 
We hope you can join us next time, unless Jesus returns for us first. Set for Life is the radio ministry of Pastor Ray Jensen. We invite you to subscribe to our podcast at setforliferadio.com. Hi, this is Ray Jensen. Thank you for giving me the opportunity to encourage you in God's Word. If the Bible doesn't excite you, then you're not reading it. I want you to remember that you are not worthless. You are priceless. Messiah Jesus died on the cross to redeem you so that you can be set for life. You'll be set for life.